Now, shall we read, please, if you have your New Testament in the Gospel by John? In the Gospel by John in chapter 1, please, first of all. John chapter 1, we'll read a well-known verse, verse 29. John 1, verse 29. <clears throat> the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I want you to just remark that wonderful statement there. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now just turn over a page or two to chapter 4, please. Chapter 4 of John, and uh, reading at verse number 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And then we have the conversation between the Lord Jesus and <clears throat> this woman, which is of deep interest. We can't read it all. But notice at verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And then we have the further uh, words of Christ relative to her past. Now, just for sake of time, please, read at verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. Now that's all we're going to read from the, the Bible today. <clears throat> I've been drawn to mention two great statements here with you uh, for the minutes that we have <clears throat> and only John gives these statements to us they're unique to his writings the apostle John he speaks to us of the sin of the world the sin of the world and then he also speaks to us about the saviour of the world. Again, we don't read about those statements anywhere else in our Bibles apart from the writings of John. That second wonderful statement concerning the Savior of the world, we also have it in another chapter 4 of John, which is first epistle of John chapter 4. And the words were quoted in our prayer meeting. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Salvatore Mundi, the Savior of the world. 
That's the name of a great painting that was painted by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. It was lost for centuries and sold for 40 million some years back. Resold again lately for maybe 70 or 80 million dollars. And uh, I want to tell you, anybody that has the savior of the world, it's a lot, it's a lot more value, I can tell you, than 70 or 80 million. You couldn't put a price tag on it if you have the savior of the world for yourself, the Salvatore Mundi. Now, let's think about these two great statements for a, a few minutes. The sin of the world and the savior of the world. Today, the sin of the world is pervasive. It's everywhere. Every single person living in the world today, and there are 8 billion souls approximately now on planet Earth. Do you know that there isn't one exception to the sin, the sin nature, and the sin practice of all the people of this world? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's a, it's a very, very impressive fact to face that out of all the people, out of all the colors, languages, and climates of our world today, every single person is defiled by sin. We bring it into the world with us. It's part of our nature. It's part of being human. And there's only one person who ever lived on earth who did no sin, and that was the Lord Jesus himself. Sin is everywhere. It is pervasive. I want to say as well that sin is preferred today. People choose sin. The Bible says we have turned everyone to his own way. It's not that we're forced into sinning. It's not even that the devil makes us sin. The Bible teaches us very clearly that if any man is tempted, he's tempted of his own lust and drawn away and enticed. So often people blame other people, blame the devil, blame circumstances, blame their situation. But we, we can't do that. It's no use. It's a great thing when a person takes ownership of their sin. We prefer sin. It's the choice that people make. There's a bias in human nature to do what is wrong. And sometimes we kind of cover over sin as though it's a kind of uh, a weakness or some, some kind of blunder just that people make. But I think that is altogether wrong. It's, it's taking a very, very uh, weak view and a very meager view of what sin really is. I want to say to everybody here today that at heart we're all rebels. Inside each one of us, there's a rebellious spirit. We're just like the prodigal running away. And we, we don't want to do the will of God. We want to do our own thing. I want to say as well, you know, concerning this sin of the world, it's a very polluting thing, the pollution of sin. Sin defiles things. And we are living in a very, very polluted world today. Read the newspaper or wherever you find your news. There are so many stories of depravity and perverseness. 
Sin is very polluting. The Bible presents it in that way. There's a, a filthiness about sin, isn't there? And uh, it needs to be cleansed. And everyone here today, if you're not cleansed from those sins of yours, you cannot dwell in that place where God is light. Heaven is a very holy place. And there is no possibility of ever being there if one stain of sin remains upon you. That's the clear teaching of the Bible from beginning to end. That's why we constantly preach the value of the blood of Christ to put away sin. Not churches or places you go to join, not your affiliations, not religion, but nothing but the blood of Christ can wash away the stain of sin. In fact, the Bible says concerning that, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1 verse 7. Sin is a pollution in the world. Have you ever thought about all the corruption and all the degradation, all the lying, the jealousy, the pride of the human heart? Have you ever thought about all the, the lust and all the perverted morals of our own country even, the violence and the abuse, the shocking things that go on. And even in this week this past, the famous news story of the, the, the courtroom drama of the nurse sentenced for murder. And uh, there's a lot of narrative about it in the papers and on the airwaves do you ever notice that no one ever speaks about the fallen nature of man? They speak about evil. They speak about wrongdoing. And uh, they suggest the various reasons that may be behind these things and the motivations. But it's, it's a taboo subject today to talk about original sin or to mention in public places anything about the fallen nature of man. The world doesn't want to hear about it. People don't want to be reminded about God. But all those sins, and they're heinous, they're terrible, but it's just the produce of a fallen nature and all the different elements and factors that factor in upon such a, a situation. But let me tell you this, we're all in need of forgiveness, every single one of us. One day, the Lord Jesus was told about the, the people whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, the Jews. And uh, he said to the Jews who came to him to speak about those things, he says, suppose ye that those people were great sinners, sinners above all the others who never perished in that way. Then he mentioned the Tower of Siloam that fell and slew 18 people. And he says, suppose ye that they were sinners above other people because such things happened to them. You know, we're always, we're always seeing the, the wrong in others. That's, a, that's, the, that's the, the greatest uh, ability we all have. It comes so naturally to us to see the wrong in somebody else. But Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He says, don't be thinking that God has any favorites. God has no pets. 
Sometimes people think that they could never perish. There are people praying for me. I know the gospel. I intend to be in heaven. You don't need to worry about me. God has a already kind of covenanted to save me. That's not true, dear friend. That's absolutely not true. There are many, many people in hell already who thought just like you. They sat in many hundreds of gospel meetings. They intended to be in the glory, but they're gone, and they'll never be back. Their sins remained unforgiven. They died as they lived. That's how everybody dies. Unforgiven, uncleansed, still unjustified, still not right with God. Tragedy beyond words. Sin is pervasive. Sin is a preference. Sin is a pollution. Sin is a paralysis. It weakens people. There's an awful, there's an awful effect with sin. You don't know God. You can't pray to God. You don't know him as your father. You have no ability to overcome the weakness of the, the, the sinful nature. You have no answer to the devil when he comes close to you. Sin paralyzes people. The Bible says we're weak. Romans 5, verse 6, when we were yet without strength, there's a paralysis about sin. We can't keep the law. We're not able. These are all serious elements of what it is to be a sinner. And then I should mention the punishment of sin. You know, there is a day coming when God will punish sin. No matter how you enjoy your life, no matter how many places you go and see, no matter how many pleasures you enjoy in this world, there's always an afterward. And there's a judgment day rolling on, rolling on very quickly. Mr. Bentley of Malaysia, now in heaven, he used to tell about the, the lad he knew in Sunday school in Belfast. He was brought up under the sound of the gospel, taught faithfully. And in his early 20s, he was so far down that he thought he would finish everything. He just was fed up with life, suicidal. He went up to the Cave Hill. Most of you know what I mean when I mention the Cave Hill. Up to Napoleon's nose. And he had with him a bottle of poison. And he took the cork out of the bottle of poison and was about to take it back and take a slug of the poison and finish himself. And into his mind there came words that he learned in Sunday school. It is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, after this, the judgment. And he threw the bottle down and went down, down to a city, down to his father who was a Christian. Asked him how to be saved. Two or three days, the upshot of the story was that man was converted and became a Sunday school teacher himself. Wasn't it well that the word of God was in his mind from early days? Let everybody here today remember this. You can live your life, whether 10, 20, 40, 60 years, enjoy whatever you can out of this world, but there's always an afterward. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now that all calls for something. Having painted that very black picture as a background, I believe that the gospel comes in in all its brightness. In answer to the sin of the world, 
Thank God there is the Savior of the world. And I'm here this afternoon with joy to tell everyone here that there is a Savior, and He's a Savior suitable for you. He saved me. He has saved many others in the car park this afternoon. He delights to save. That's why He's called a Savior. He, he doesn't save souls under duress. He, he's not forced to. If you, if you are not well and you have some medical complaint, you go to your doctor. Why do you go to the doctor? Because he's called a doctor. He's a physician. He's supposed to do what he's trained to do. Our Savior is called a Savior because he saves. That, that's, his, that's his reason for being. He is the Savior of the world. And he's the only one. There are not two saviors. Everyone in Ballyclare today needs Christ as Savior. Miss him, you miss heaven. If you miss heaven, there's another place you won't miss. It's called hell. Everybody without the Savior today is on the road to hell. This country is on the road to hell. All except those who have trusted the Savior for themselves. This is serious business. Now, the Lord Jesus, as Savior in John 4, he's a punctual Savior because he comes right at the very time that the woman of Samaria was going out to draw water. He knew what he was doing. He always does. He's not moving around kind of in any random way. Absolutely not. Our Savior is punctual. He knows you're here today. And he knows how to speak to you. He's whispering in your ear. And he's not only punctual, but he's pitiful. His heart was moved towards one individual. He knew that she was going to be there. And he sits wearied upon the well. The Lord Jesus was weary seeking one soul. Many a preacher gets weary seeking a soul. The Lord Jesus is the great example. And he sits down and he enters a conversation with the woman. But he's more than a punctual savior and a pitiful Savior. He's a probing Savior. He probes, and he probes into her life, and he takes away the lid to uncover the sin of her experience. I would to God that that would happen today. Christ probes. He comes close. He doesn't sweep the sin under the carpet and forget about it. But he uncovers every detail until that woman had to exclaim, this is a man that knows everything that I have ever done. You can say that about the Lord Jesus today. He knows everything that you have ever done. There's not one thing has escaped him. He's the all-known, omniscient Christ. Yes, he's perceptive and he's probing. But I'm glad to tell you he's a pardoning Savior because when that day was over, that woman went away knowing that there had been a mighty change wrought in her life. She left her water pot and she went into the city and became a soul winner. You never know what can happen to people once they have Christ as their Savior. Once this sinful woman had no time or interest in any of those things, but she became a soul winner and told others until those people in the city believe because of his own word. How did she get the pardon? She got the pardon by believing on Christ. That's how you get it as well. 
Don't forget that Christ in John's gospel is on his way to Calvary. He's on his way to the tree to be lifted up to die. And the only answer for our sin is the death of Christ. And on that cross, his blood flowed for our redemption. He became the sin bearer. He took our place upon that cross of Calvary. And he opened the life gate that all may go in. Christ is the Savior of the world. No one is excluded from the great provision. We believe that Christ died not only for those who finally would be in heaven, but he died for all, whether they're in heaven or hell. He died for everyone without exception. You are provided for in the work of Christ. And he cried out triumphantly, It is finished. You don't need to pay anything today. You don't need to bring your pennies or your prayers or anything else. On the principle of faith, people are saved for eternity. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the gate is open today. Thank God. I was reading the other day about a church, in, a church building in New York City. And it's an old building. And inscribed deeply in, uh, in stone on the entrance of that church is the name of the church. And the name of the church is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. Well, there's no church, the gate of heaven, but that's, a, that's another matter. So the gate of heaven is inscribed years ago on this church. But down below there's a sign, and the sign says, Closed for the month of July and August. Imagine the gate of heaven. Closed for July and August. Well, I'm glad to come here to Ballyclare this afternoon. And I can tell you, my friends, the gate of heaven's open. And it's open in July and August. And it's open in January and February and November and December. It's open still. Thank God for the grace that holds the door open. And you may be brought to Christ today and come to know the Savior of the world and to be able to say he's my Savior. You see, it's one thing for him to be the Savior of the world, but that wouldn't do me. I need to know he's mine. And you can have him today. Just to use the language of Christ in John's gospel, he said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into the judgment, the condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. One day soon, millions will gather at the great white throne. They'll stand before the judge of all the earth, he won't then be the savior of the world. He'll be the judge. And all the evidence will be there. Sometimes in court cases on earth, there's a lack of evidence. But God has all the evidence. And in that day at the great white throne, you may stand and hear all the evidence laid against you all the times you heard the gospel. All the times people prayed for you. All the times you said no to Christ. All the times you sinned in preference to having God's salvation. It's all going to be laid out clearly before you. And there'll be no appeal. No escape.
cast into the lake of fire. Oh, God, help us today to grasp these realities. There's nothing you need more today than mercy. And I'm glad that mercy is still available through Christ. Think about the sin of the world, your sin. Think about the Savior of the world who could be your Savior. Make it personal today. Not only make the sin personal, make the Savior personal. That's the secret. And you'll have God's salvation. Thank you for listening to his word, shall we pray. Our Father, we thank thee today that some have come along to listen to the scriptures preached, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that even in our own days, some are being saved. And we have recently heard of souls trusting Christ. What a joy this is. And our prayer is that in Ballyclare, there may be a visitation of mercy even this afternoon. We pray that I will speak and that people will listen and that there will be choices made that will be wise so that when the journey of life is over and we take our place in eternity, all who are here today will find themselves safely sheltered by the precious blood of Christ. We ask thy parting blessing in his name, desiring that other places today will likewise have a similar blessing. Visit this land, O God, and all its need, we pray in our Lord's precious name. Amen.